it's, it's like that when a person becomes a follower of Jesus. They take their first few tentative steps. And it's amazing that when Jesus began his earthly ministry 2,000 years ago, and he began speaking to the people that came and crowds of people started to come, you know, when they saw the, the amazing miracles that he was doing and the wonderful things that were happening, crowds started following. One of the first things that Jesus spoke to them about was the, the, the basics of discipleship or how to be a follower of Jesus, how to, be a, how, to, how to be a, you know, how to have God on the inside and, and the first steps that you need to take. So what I want to do over the next little while, I'm going to begin a series of messages today and I want to just introduce it this morning, but going through into November, we're going to talk about some of the basics that Jesus talked about, about being a follower of Jesus. And one of the things uh, we know from the Sermon on the Mount, which was his first, his first significant message that's recorded for us in, in the Gospels, um, he talked about uh, prayer, he talked about fasting, you know, prayer and fasting, and also giving. So we're going to talk about uh, prayer, fasting, and giving, like when you pray, he said, when you fast, and when you give. And uh, so we won't specifically get onto that today, but we're going to introduce the subject about praying and what it means to pray and why prayer matters so much and why it's significant. And uh, you might be saying this morning, well, you know, that's, that's not really my thing, you might be saying. <laughs> you say, you know, fasting is not my thing or giving is not my thing or, or whatever you're feeling right now. I want to ask you this morning, friends, to stick with it because here's the thing. God wants to do something powerful in, in your life. I know that He wants to bring release in your heart and He wants to, and collectively as a church, I know that God wants to use us collectively to reach our generation and our city. Of course, there are many others who are doing that as well, but God wants to use us collectively to reach our city. And so these basics that Jesus spoke about is some of the important things that, can, that, that will help us to rise up into be able to doing that. Now, um, there, there's, these are spiritual disciplines. Okay, now, you might not like the word discipline either. Maybe, but I want to tell you this. These are spiritual, these are private disciplines that have public reward and public benefit. And every one of us in this room there's not a single person in this room that couldn't be benefited by improving some area of personal discipline in your life. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands because I know if you said, I, I wouldn't, I know you'd be lying. But every, every one of us, me, I'll put up every hand and foot I've got. Every one of us in this room could be improved. You know, you, you, your life could be more productive. You could be a better person to live with. You could be opening up uh, more opportunities for your future if there was more personal discipline in your life. So we will get to it, not this morning, but we're going to get to it in November. And November is going to be a month of prayer, fasting, and giving because God wants you and I to, be, uh, to set us up next year. I believe this is actually about next year, not about this year. It's about what God is doing next year because I believe He wants to prepare us as a church to become incredibly productive and in the Holy Spirit and to see great things happen next year. Now, that doesn't mean we can't see great things happen right now, and we are, but God is doing something amongst us as a church and in your heart and in my life. So I want to share with you this morning 
um, actually about God's antidote for depression because uh, as we learn how to pray and as we learn how to praise, God is doing something to bring freedom in our hearts, in our lives. God's antidote for depression. And uh, I've got 10, 10 little keys that I want to give you this morning to move from depression into victory, into an overcoming life, into an outward-looking expression so that we can be free in our own hearts. And it's, uh, this is all coming from the Psalms. And two, two of the Psalms that I want to particularly open up and address this morning, um, Psalm 42 and Psalm 47, uh, these are really powerful messages to us about prayer and about praise this morning because something happens on the inside of us when we start to pray. Now, these, these, both of these psalms were written by the sons of Korah. Um, who was Korah? He was one of, the, uh, one of the leaders of the church back in King David's day, about two and a half thousand years ago. And, and uh, they were actually musicians. His sons were the chief, some of the chief musicians of that day. So uh, this Psalm 42, we're about to read it in a moment. So what happened is this, this guy, this guy uh, Korah, uh, his sons wrote these songs. And it says, when you read it, Psalm 42, it says, for the choir director. So in other words, he wrote these songs and he sent it to the choir master. He said, hey, can we sing this song uh, next weekend, you know? And so when you read it, you read Psalm 42 and you're thinking, and I'm thinking, the choir master, he was probably thinking, are you sure you want to sing this stuff? Because it's like a lament. And we, we don't talk like that in church, do we? We say, man, you get your phone out and look up Psalm 42 uh, in the New Living Translation, because we're going to read it in a moment, and um, how bad he was feeling. So we, we, normally, we normally don't want to be like that, do we? We want to come to church. We want to put on our best face. We want to have a big smile when you walk in the door. So everyone thinks that everything's going great. Is that right? Is that what you do? I've been doing that most of my life, but that's not what this guy is saying. And we need to think about this because sometimes we can get a skewed impression of how we need to act in our life in general, but especially in church. So let's read Psalm 42, verse 4. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers leading a great procession to the house of God. He was one of the chief musos, right? So singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. And then he says in verse, the next verse, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged. In other words, he's talking about this progression, this downhill slide into despair, into feeling really bad about himself. And in the middle, notice he says, Ah, oh, I'm going to put my hope in God. I will trust in God. Well, that sure didn't work because now I'm deeply discouraged. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. He's, he's being so transparent, so vulnerable and so open about himself. And he's writing this as a song. He says, Hey, we're going to sing this in church next weekend. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Can we do a song like that? I don't know, Matt. This, this, is, this, is, uh, this is not the sort of songs we sing. But what this, there's a number of principles here I want to share with you this morning that we can learn from. Number one, principle number one, it's okay to not be okay and we still want to see you in church. Okay, so because here's what happens. When you're, when you're going through something, when you are feeling terrible about yourself, who knows? You know, you had a bad week. 
Who knows? Um, you got demoted at work, or, you know, even lost your job. You know, you're, you got betrayed in some way. You got rejected in some way. You, you know, you were violated in some way. You got offended or something just went wrong or you ran out of money or, or whatever it was and you're just feeling so bad about yourself. Here's what the devil does. He comes to you and says, whatever you do, don't go near any other Christians. That's his number one strategy. Don't go near anyone else who's a person of faith in God. Because he knows that if you do, what's going to happen? You're going to be encouraged. Someone's going to pray for you. Someone's going to bless you. Someone's going to stand beside you and say, mate, I know how you're feeling. And, but, we, but God is good. And, and we want to encourage you today. That's what's going to happen. So I want to say this morning, friends, if you are going through something, and I know you're all here. So I'm talking to everyone watching online, okay? But you're, you're here. I'm sorry. No, sorry. Sorry, folks. But I, but I tell you, if, if you're going through something, no, this is for next week, okay? You're going through something, the devil's going to tell you, don't go there. Don't go to church. And, and the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, someone's going to bless you. Someone wants to encourage you. Someone wants to lift you up. And I think we need to get a hold of that. So, so this writer of this psalm, he's not afraid to tell it like it is. He's actually crying out to God in the middle of all this, and he's comparing what he's feeling now to the previous other joyful times of worship that he's had in the past, and he's rehearsing how bad he feels, and then this happens. In verse 6, it says, But I will remember you. He's just going through all the bad stuff. Then he says, But I will remember you, even from... Distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan from the land of Mount Mizar. Now, I don't know what happened in those places, but maybe it was a, a place. Maybe they were places where he encountered God in some powerful way. Something happened in those places that, that you know, something amazing happened. To, and he saw God or he, he got a word from God or something happened to change his life in those places. But, but I want to say, friends, what turned this guy around is he started to think back and remember the past, the history. He remembered the goodness of God. He remembered how good God was to him in the past. And he said, hey, I've got, I got to change my thinking here because God has been so good to me. Can I say here, what, what this says to me is how significant and powerful it is for us to do journaling. Because when you start writing things down while you're praying, while you're reading, while you're spending some time with God, you know what happens? You're not only recording what God is saying to you right now, but you're recording what's happening in your life right now and the goodness of God, and it becomes a record of blessing, a record of the good things God is doing in your life, and you can go back to that. And what's, it's, it's also important to put a date on those things. Put a date on it. Say, you know, on this day, I began to understand you know what's happening? I, I, on this day, I saw afresh in a different light. Actually, God was protecting me, you know, when I went through this last week. I had an accident last week in the car, but now I know it's taken me a week to realize, but actually, God kept me from something far worse. You know, instead of lamenting about the accident, just realize, hey, God kept me from something that could have been worse. I, I could tell you some incredible stories about my own life as a teenager. The number of times when I should have been taken out. And I wasn't. I'm here. I am here by the grace of God and, and by nothing else, just nothing else at all. Nothing else at all. Anyway, so he remembers the goodness of God and uh, it just changes things. And then 
what happens then is he starts to experience and sense the presence of God right there with him. Let's read verse 7. It says, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your, your God's waves and surging tides sweep over me. Each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. He's getting a revelation, you know, of the fact that God loves him. He's just getting it coming all over him. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. He's starting to, to feel the impact of God's presence in his life and just the awesomeness of God, God's love washing over him right now. You know what, friends? We need that. You, you and I need that. Now, I, I don't know if it works this way for you, but I find myself often, you know, I guess I've got, we've got a, a spare bedroom at our place, right? A spare room. Well, I go in there to read and pray, and uh, I just get there you know, on, on my own. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it happens all the time. You know, I just, just sense the presence of God and, and, the, and the grace of God just pouring over me and just knowing that He's with me and He's real. And he's showing me things that I didn't know. He's revealing things that I didn't know before. And friends, you and I, we all need to experience God. It's Look, you don't want your Christian life to be a theory. You don't want it to be a set of ideas, even a set of values that you aspire to or you subscribe to. You can't live your whole life as a Christian. That's boring. You know, that's monotonous. And I want to tell you, it won't work. Because when you face hard times, you need to know the reality of God. You need to know that He's with you. And so that's point number three. We need to experience God in the present right now. And He's got to use the metaphor of raging seas to describe the glory of God coming over Him. Unstoppable, untamable, unfathomable. We need to experience God. God's presence. One th- reason why we come to church, but it doesn't need to be just here. You can be driving in the car. You know, I love, I, I have a motorbike. I like, in a motorbike, you've got a helmet. Man, the inside of a helmet is the best time to be praising God and worshiping God because it's like a little bubble. You know, no, is that right, Dallas? You know, no, no one knows what you're doing. You can shout, you can carry on on the inside of it. Just watch the traffic, right? But, but you know, it's wonderful. And you can experience God's presence where you, wherever you are, in the car or wherever you are. It's also important to take control of your th- own thoughts instead of get stuck in a negative thinking pattern as well and rehearsing the problems. Changing our thinking is so, so critical. And elevating God above the problem. I know there's whole se- sermon series in that, but I, we're not going to go there right now. Number four is he determines to keep on praising God. And he says in verse 11, so this is at the, almost at the end of this psalm, and he says, you know, um, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? So he's still feeling bad, right? He hasn't, he hasn't gotten past this yet, but he says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. In other words, he is absolutely determined he's going to keep on praising God in the middle of this trial in the middle of this depression, in the middle of this discouragement, I will keep on praising you. I will keep on lifting up your name because you are awesome. So I, I say this morning, friends, if you're on a journey right now and if you are going through something, if we were really honest, probably most of us in this room are going through something right now. If you're going through something right now, 
Don't set up camp at a place called discouragement. You know, if you're out bushwalking or hiking or, or whatever, you know, you're camping, you're, you're always looking for a good place to set up camp, aren't you? You know, you, know, you want to, you're beside a little creek and there's a bit of, bit of grass and a bit of sand. You, you, it's a great place to set up a camp, right? If you're going through something right now, don't set up camp there at a place called discouragement. Just keep moving. Keep going through. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that ever would indicate that you are not going to have problems in your life. You know, and the sooner we accept that and acknowledge it, the better. Because that some of those things, you know, they can be caused by different things. I don't want to go into where problems come from necessarily. But God will use those things to put steel in your spine, to put faith in your heart, to put a, to put a song of praise in your mouth if you just take a decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift up the name of Jesus. It's why when we come to church, you know, we're always singing songs about how good God is. You know, and, and we, we just, and there's a whole lot more we haven't sung yet too about the goodness of God. It's because God is so good. And when we focus on Him, you know, we take our eyes off the problem and we elevate God above our situation. You know, He gets bigger, the problems get smaller, and eventually you'll come through that. You'll come out of it which is an amazing thing. Number five, sometimes the solution to your problem is not actually about the problem. It's actually about how you're responding to it today. And that's what so true for us that very often what God is saying to us is, uh, you know, I could take that problem away from you right now. But he said, how are you responding? What are you learning in this today? What's happening in your life right now? And he just wants us to learn how to press into him and lift their eyes up to him in the middle of these situations. You know, I, um, Dale and I have been through a difficult situation uh, in about the last 10 years and um, quite, a, quite a difficult situation. And, and uh, uh, before this happened, just before this happened uh, about 10 years ago, uh, a close friend of ours was visiting and... and um, and he's, he's quite prophetic, this guy. And, he, and he, he took me aside and said, look, I feel God wants to say something to you. And he said to me, God showed me that you're going to go through something. A tough situation. And the thing about it is, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. You are not going to be able to do anything about it. You've got to learn... <laughs> To trust God. You know, I'd love to be able to stand here and say to you that uh, I took notice of that. <laughs> but I didn't. I tried to fix it. And uh, every time I tried to fix it, it just got worse. <laughs> so eventually I learned to just um, pull my head in and just let it go. And let God work in the situation. And it's fixing itself. It's fixing itself progressively. So... Um, I just know that, that God is real and that, uh, that he cares about me and he cares about you and that we need to take notice of what he's, what, notice of what he's saying in our lives. Okay, let's, let's move to Psalm 47. So this is another psalm. And it's, this, is about, this is about learning how to pray, how to praise, but how to break through in praise. Breaking through in praise. And uh, this is such a powerful thing. And it's another email that he sent to the choir director you know this is uh, this is this psalm is written to the choir director and uh, 
So this is what it says. Psalm 47, verse 5. God has ascended with a mighty shout. The Lord has ascended with trumpets blaring. Okay, so there's some things we can learn from this. So, okay, so it's a strong declaration about God's power, saying God has, God has risen up in the, in the midst of his people. God, God is doing something awesome here, and he's shouting it. He's declaring it. What, is it, what does it really mean? I, I think it means that God has taken his position of power or authority over some situation. God's taking his place. Now think about your own life. What are the situations you're facing right now? God has ascended, gone over my situation with a mighty shout. Now, I, I believe that every one of us here, would, we would want God to be over our problems. We would want God to be, you know, looking over our situation. And you know that he's got power over that situation, over that thing that you're going through right now. When you raise a mighty shout to God, what are you doing? You are positioning yourself so that God can do something to work supernaturally in your life. It means you are coming under his authority. That's a wonderful thing, submitting yourself. To submit means to just to come under the authority of something. So you're coming under God's authority when you raise a mighty shout and you shout about God's glory and God's power and God's presence over your situation. So that's a great thing to do. And I, and I say that, um, that we should get used to doing that. So it's okay to shout in church. This is my next point. Point number seven is this. It's okay to have loud and enthusiastic music in church. So, so that's, that's actually a statement, okay, not, not a question. It's okay. And, and uh, so, you know, I want to say this morning, friends, it might get loud in here sometimes, you know. When, when heaven's coming down, 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 it might get loud in here sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. So, so let's not be embarrassed. Let's not be afraid or upset. Sometimes someone's going to get enthusiastic some, can, we, can you get enthusiastic right now? Is that okay? We can get enthusiastic right now. When heaven comes down, 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 it might get loud in here. So I'm okay with that. I want, I want you to know that I'm not in the front row thinking, yeah, I wish they'd clutten this down. I'm, I tell you, when God is doing something, it's okay. It's okay to get a little bit loud sometimes. Um, so and I just, I just pray you know, for myself, you know, God, help me to deal with the creeping conservatism that just creeps into all of our lives. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? You know, we want everything like 1 Corinthians 12 says, let everything be done decently and in order. Yeah, that's true. Totally true. Apostle Paul, can't go past it. Decently and in order, but it can still be loud sometimes. Because enthusiasm is something that God is wanting us to rise up and take a hold of today in our own heart. I love Psalm 150. You know, I remember many, many years ago when uh, there was this incredible move of God uh, out at Chinchilla where we were living in those days. And, and uh, this song, Psalm 150, became such a powerful message, like an anthem of praise in the whole church. But it says in Psalm 150, verse 5, Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clanging cymbals. So can we make them clang sometimes? clash I don't, I don't know but there's got to come there's got to come a time when when that happens how about, how about this 1 chronicles 15 28 now now this is about king david bringing the ark of god's covenant this 
this big gold-covered box which had the Ten Commandments in it and bringing them back to back into the city of Jerusalem. And it's a, it's a picture or it's, a, it's typical of, of um, uh, the restoring the presence of God in the church. And friends, we, if we haven't got the presence of God, we haven't got much. You know, we're a, we may as well go next door and get a coffee or two. You know, we, we need to come here and, the, and know that the presence of God is filling the house. You know, I, I just love, you know, Second um, Chronicles 5, 11 and 12, where it says, uh, you know, that the cloud of God's glory came down. That's what I want. I want the cloud of God's glory to come into the house. So anyway, 1 Chronicles 15, All Israel brought up the ark of the Lord's covenant with shouts of joy, the blowing of ram's horns and trumpets, the crashing of cymbals, and loud playing on harps and lyres. You know, so, so loud is not just a one-off. You see it a few times throughout the Bible, numbers of times. And, uh, you know, I, read that, I was reading that yesterday, and I think it sounds a little bit chaotic, you know, there's this blowing of trumpets, and it reminded me a little bit of a, a sort of, you know, like a, a, a footy match or, a, or a, you know, like a political uh, procession, you know, where they're blowing things in, you know, in other countries, and, and like a chaotic sort of a scene. But then I, I studied, I looked at the whole passage. I read, I read elsewhere in the chapter, and actually it gives a list of those who were blowing the trumpets and those who were clashing the cymbals and those who were playing the harps and lyres. It gives a list. And when you look at the list, these are all the chief musicians. So what it's saying is they'd handpicked the most skilled musicians for this event. And that's, that's a great thing. So, so this wasn't chaotic. Mate, this was awesome. This was phenomenal music and it was loud. It was loud, so um, I guess that's a comment about quality and quantity. So they had qu- <laughs> quality, <laughs> quality and quantity. Now, now, obviously, obviously, there can also be quiet, reflective moments in church. Now, I'm not so so. Especially, the Bible talks a lot about waiting on God in quietness and in confidence will be your strength. You know, wait, and so so there there'll be there'll be lots of quiet moments as well in the presence of God. So let's, let's get used to that as well, uh, because God wants us to be expressive in His presence, uh, waiting on Him. Uh, that's it. Number eight, sometimes praising God is the only thing you can do to declare the greatness of God. Now, I, I, this, this sort of rings true in, in my own life, because when you're going through something and you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, you, don't, you know you can't fix it, but you just... You just what can you do? All you can do is you can praise God and you can still praise Him in the middle of that situation. I've got a little example of this here. Now, some of you know what this is. This is an amazing thing. This is a nailing gun. This is, this is, the, this is the modern form of what you used to hit in nails and it's a really cool thing. Uh, some of you here might even have one of these. This is a baby one, by the way. If I had a full-size one, you know, I would need to do some weightlifting to be able to lift it. But, but this, is a, this is a great thing, and uh, it's for hitting in nails. Now, I've got something else. This is the old-school version of a nailing gun, and that's what everybody used to use. And uh, I've, I've done a fair bit of work with one of these things, and, uh, but it's got a problem. There's something wrong with this. As to why people use that. What's wrong with this? 
It's too easy to hit the wrong nail. When you're driving in a, a nail, you can miss and get the wrong nail. Has anyone ever done that before? I can tell you that I've done it a number of times. And so, so what do you do when you hit the wrong nail? Okay, I, I can tell you, so, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work on building sites over the year, a lot, a lot of work on building sites. So, so when, when that happens to someone, you, you'll, you will hear, what will you hear? A string of profanities, right? <laughs> you know, the, the sky will go blue all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> so I, I determined pretty early on in my life <laughs> that when that, when that happened, that I wouldn't do that, you know. And um, so I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just praising God, you know. I didn't shout it out necessarily on the building side, otherwise I think I was a lunatic. But, you know, when you do that, and there's nothing else you can do, you can still praise God. You can still give thanks to God. I don't know if it makes the pain go away. I'm not sure. It probably doesn't. But I tell you what, it's a good thing to do. And that's what I've always done. Mind you, I've got the nailing gun now, so it hasn't happened for quite a while. So, but, but <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to take the pain away. But just praise God when there's nothing else you can do. And it's a, that's a great thing to do. Sometimes that's all you can do. Number nine, you and I were created to give praise to God. We're cre- we were created for that purpose of praising Him. The angels sang and shouted for joy while the world was being formed. Job 38, verse 7 tells us. You know, when God was creating and making the world, it says the angels were, were singing and s- singing praises while it was happening. Then later on, it says in Psalm 19, I love this, it says that, it says that the heavens are telling of the glory of God. They're, they're shouting His praises. The creation all around us right now is, is speaking. It's got a message. You read Psalm 19, it's incredible. The message is going forth throughout the whole earth, telling of the glory of God. But what about this? In Luke 19, Jesus is coming up to Jerusalem for the last time. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to die in our place on the cross. And uh, it says in Luke 19, verse 37, right at the top of the hill, the crest where Mount Olives begins its descent, the whole crowd of disciples burst into praise, enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed. They said, blessed is he who comes, the king in God's name, all's well in heaven, glory in the high places. It said, but some Pharisees, there were a few people, religious dudes in the crowd and some pharisees from the crowd told him hey teacher get your disciples under control but he said listen to what jesus said if they kept quiet the stones would do it for them shouting praise so you know the creation god's created world knows about praise you know and and uh but he said if we don't do it they will and th- you know we were just at this conference during the week and it's a great it's an amazing time over at the sunshine coast and, and um one of the songs they sang, a worship song, I only realized later on, it's actually a children's song, but everyone's singing this song, and it goes, Ain't no rock going to cry in my place. In other words, I'm not giving up my divine, heavenly mandate to praise God so that some other part of the created world can do it for me. I'm going to do it. I will do it. So I want to encourage you. That's, that's a great song. Maybe we might sing it in our promised land sometime but um, yeah number 10 last point get a correct picture of God and a correct 
picture of your problems. So, you know, one of the greatest keys to effective praying is to, is to place God over your situation right now and get a correct size picture of your problems, where they should be, under. Because the Bible says you are above and not beneath. You know, lift up, lift up God over your life and, and says you're, not, you're, not, you're the head, not the tail. You, know, you should be over those things. Doesn't mean to say that sometimes you know they might not look big. Sometimes our problems they loom large in our life. The things that we're going through they they just get bigger and bigger if, if we focus on them. But I want to tell you, when you set God over those things, they will get smaller, and you will find God giving you a sense of victory in your life. One of the greatest keys to effective praying: get a correct picture of God over your life. And, and I want to say, as we finish this morning, friends, that, uh, matter of fact, if our creative team can come back, please, that, that there has to be a supernatural element to your faith. Otherwise, it's not faith at all. You know, there's got to be something supernatural about this. Uh, it's, it's not good enough just to have, a, as I said before, a set of beliefs or ideas or things we subscribe to. We've got to believe in a God that's way bigger than ourselves, that, that created the world, that's over, overlooking our lives and, and cares deeply about us. And so uh, the Bible is full of uh, helping us to understand this, uh, having a supernatural element in your life. So I, I just, this morning, friends, if, if you're, you're living in, you're in a place where, you know, maybe problems are, are looming large in, in your world right now and you're, you're going through things that you are seemingly outside of your control, maybe, that, maybe that's the case. You know, the answer might not be just to get rid of all your problems. The answer might be to change the way you're responding to that or reacting to that today and let God be doing some work in your life. Maybe expand your vision of God's grace in your life, His grace which is sufficient for you, enough for you, and His power in your life. Mm-hmm.